we're gonna enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're gonna have another team meeting and we're gonna get locked in on next year. Hey everyone, welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. As always, I'm Nicole Auerbach, she's Grace Rayner, and we are here to break down, I guess, that the, the sky is falling and Clemson is no longer the number one team in the country. Nearly lost to North Carolina, if not for a very questionable play call on a two-point conversion by Mac Brown. Um, but things seem a little bit dicier than they have been in the past weeks. Am, am I right to say that, Grace? I think so, yeah. I mean, we obviously all saw what happened. And uh, what was the spread going into this game? Like 26 and a half, 28 at one point, I think. Um, well, it, it was not one point. It was definitely not one point. <laughs> we are <laughs> not great not. at math on this podcast, but it was not one. Hey, some of us used to be good at math. It's just <laughs> it's just been a while, okay? That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so obviously we're, we're going to get into the North Carolina game and the struggles. Um, but let's just, you know, let's just start with the poll. Um, so Clemson is no longer the number one team in the country. Alabama is. Alabama got 29 first place votes. We're, we're going to use the AP poll, but it's the same one, too, in the coaches poll as well. Um, Alabama, 29 first place votes. Clemson, 18. Georgia, four. Ohio State gets seven first place votes um, and finishes at number four. So... You know, the, the the point totals are very close with, with those top two teams, with Alabama and Clemson. The narratives have kind of shifted, and, and I think a lot of this had to do with how other teams played on the same day that Clemson struggled against UNC because I think what Ohio State did to Nebraska caused a lot of people to then look at their body of work from September and how balanced they are offensively and defensively. Have they shored up their their issues um, and giving up big plays? Yes. And so maybe that's the best team in the country, even though they're not ranked number one. You know, maybe Oklahoma has that. You know, they don't have the strength of schedule as everybody else, but don't they look like they're good? They're, they're still sitting at number six. Um, you have Alabama just struggling very, very briefly against Ole Miss and then, you know, waxing the floor with them. So they slide up to number one. You look at their body of work. I feel like it was probably because of the other games and the other teams and the way that they looked on Saturday that Clemson's struggles seemed even more apparent. Yes, I agree. I mean, I think, look, like on a week-to-week basis, this is all about perception. And and I know that it's week five and, you know, there's an argument to be made that it doesn't matter that Clemson didn't look super great in week five because there's still so many weeks till – the playoff, et cetera, et cetera. We've, we've heard this a million times before. But it is impossible to ignore that Clemson struggled against a team it was supposed to dominate while its counterparts are dominating. That's just – you just can't – that's not something that you can overlook. Yeah, and so, like, we're looking at – you can see the individual AP poll, like the voters, their full top 25s. So you have some some people are putting them even as low as 6th, 7th, and 8th in the country. Um, which is which is kind of interesting because you also had people going out there and saying they're still the defending national champs. I'm just going to let them have that spot until they lose. So you had, I mean, obviously this is a lot of individual opinions and in how you evaluate teams, but to say that there's like six better teams than Clemson right now, that is that is a statement that a couple people are making right now, and and that's kind of hard to stomach. Like, I, I understand saying, you know, Clemson on paper should be better and, you know, we should be kind of seeing more what we saw in the playoff last year instead of kind of, you know, some of the struggles. And we'll get to Trevor Lawrence in a second. 
But to me, I don't know if there there are seven better teams in the country. No, than I don't think like, so. I, I, I think they're in that mix of teams that are going to be competitive and could be actual contenders for sure. Um, and but I, I don't know why you would drop them so low. And I mean, they still they play Texas A&M. That's going to be a common opponent with some of the other teams that they're being compared to. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I just kind of struggle with that. And I, I feel like that's kind of to be dramatic. Yeah. If you're putting them that low. I mean, when I I'm not an AP voter anymore, but when I was an AP voter, of I always kind of try to look at it as like, OK, if the season end, ended today, you know, you're obviously taking in the, the week by week. Uh, results and and you have to obviously pay attention to it but it's week five right now if if the season ends right right now is Clemson left out of the playoff no way I mean I I think seven is way too low for them eight's way too low I mean I think you could make an argument anywhere between two and uh, maybe six I don't know I would say maybe I would say more so two through four if if I was ranking them this week I would have put Bama one Clemson two I just would have dropped them down that one spot if I had been doing it. But, yeah, seven and eight is when you're getting into a little bit of, okay, let's pump the brakes. That's, this is this is a little hot takey. Yeah, I think I think that's overreacting. And, like, I, I think that what is important to keep in mind, and this is what I kind of wrote about um, in our takeaways on Saturday, was that it basically is coming down to the expectations that we all put on this team coming off a national championship. I mean, I think that we thought that it would be reasonable to expect them, if they could do what they did to Alabama, that they would do this to most teams they're going to play, especially those that are inferior. And that's what we're not seeing. And so I thought that the that Dabo's quote was really interesting. And you were you were there in the presser. Um, but the the quote about that I know we're supposed to destroy everybody, like nobody else has scholarship, like nobody else has coaches, and it doesn't work that way. Now, is he is he frustrated that people are disappointed that they're not kind of being these world beaters right now, or is he trying to just get us to sell the bakes on the expectations we had in the first place? I think maybe a little bit of both. I mean, Dabo's a guy that, and he has said this many, many times, if Clemson wins by 50 or Clemson wins by one, he is equally happy. And and last year, we sort of had this moment where they beat South Carolina pretty handily uh, heading into you know the, the postseason at the end of the regular season, and yet because Jake Bentley threw for you know 500-plus yards, there was this narrative around Clemson that, you know, it, it wasn't good enough. And that was something that he took major exception to. I mean, he just made it absolutely abundantly clear that he is not here for this narrative of like, oh, it feels like Clemson lost because they played poorly. So I think part of it is him maybe wanting to tell the rest of the country to chill out and calm down. And then I also think it's too, I mean, Dabo speaks to his team a lot through the media, and I think that that's what he's going to tell them this week is, look, we won by one point. We are 5-0. and There are very few teams in America that don't have a blemish so far. Let's be proud of that, clean it up, and move on. But it is it is interesting because, you know, it's our job and, and our nature from the outside to think, okay, well, what does this mean big picture? And, and they're just not there yet. Right. I mean, like, I think he makes a very good point when he talks about where this team is in comparison to other of the championship teams, like at this point in the season, when he talks about, you know, the Syracuse loss and and what they learn from that, rebounding from that. And I, I, he makes good points. I mean, it is 
still September. There's still a long ways to go. The problem, I think, is that with their schedule the rest of the way and the quality of opponent, style points are going to matter. Totally matter. It, and that's that's where the problem is. And that's where you're already seeing it, where they drop from one to two in the poll. That's based on style points. A hundred percent. Because I don't think that even, yes, Alabama did play Ole Miss this weekend. And, you know, Alabama will have a strong strength of schedule when all is said and done because there's a lot of really good teams, especially in the SEC West this year. But to date, I don't think it's that drastically different. And so I don't think that it's necessarily they're getting credit for Ole Miss. I think Clemson's getting dinged for North Carolina. So that's that's style points to me. Yeah, I would agree. It's Yeah, I mean, Alabama obviously beat Ole Miss by, what was it, 28 points. Um, but yeah, I think this is more so a reflection on Clemson than it was Alabama. Like a, hey, you, you can't really justify keeping them number one when it was this close against a team that they were – by all accounts, supposed to destroy. Well, and and we saw the – we don't have the committee's rankings yet, which we will in a few weeks, but we saw this happen with that Florida State team that was undefeated where they were dipping in the committee rankings, even though they were unbeaten. And people were wondering if the committee would ever, like, take – not include an unbeaten Power 5 team. And I think the answer, of course, is no. Of course they would include an unbeaten Power 5 team. But I do think, and, and maybe this was already the case, but I, I don't think Clemson has any margin for error. Like, I, I don't, I don't think if they lose a game, the committee is going to look favorably in that, especially if they continue to play the way that they have been. Yeah, I mean, that's a conversation that I was thinking about just right after this game finished is, okay, let's say the two-point conversion is successful. UNC wins. Clemson loses. Are they out of the playoff? I think there's a, an argument to be made don't you think i mean i don't know that you can afford to have one loss on this guy i mean that would have those those would be the hot takes that we would be seeing i i do think that there's a lot more of the season they would have time to kind of rebound from it and show that they've grown but the committee has held out ohio state teams that have had bad losses throughout the regular season like one bad loss it can really change the perception i mean you have people on the college football playoff committee who are the reason that we talk about the eye test is because that's how people, when you have people on a committee, right. they're going to evaluate things and they're going to see the style of play. They're going to see the mistakes that the, the struggles that Trevor Lawrence has when he's facing pressure. They're going to see these things and they're not going to think that that's one of the four best teams in the country. Right. And I, th- I think more than anything, too, is that um, this is a, now a situation where Clemson is now going to be relying on other teams around them more than they would have been had they beat North Carolina in the way that they should. They need other teams to maybe falter a little bit or to also have some close calls. It, it doesn't feel like they are 100% in the driver's seat like they were, you know, four or five days ago before before this happened. Yes. And, and again, some of this is outside of their control. Like, they can't help – that Alabama, Auburn, LSU, they're all going to play each other. They're all getting a certain level of respect nationally. That's only probably going to increase, but it's going to increase for the teams that beat each other, of course. And they can't help, you know, that the ACC, that there's such a drop-off this year. And you don't even have, like, a Syracuse or Boston College, like in last year, that were were big games for them, that were, um, you know, they were going to push them a little bit. I, 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 I don't 
know if all of this is fair because this is all based on our expectations and how they are not meeting them and teams like an LSU or Ohio State exceeding expectations that we set for them. So it will be different when the playoff committee gives us their rankings and we kind of adapt to that. But I do think the human element of how people are reacting in poll voting is going to be mirrored to some extent. Yeah, I think I'm excited to just to sort of see where the committee is kind of getting. I mean, that's what I love about, I know we talk about, okay, why are we talking about playoff rankings this early? But I do like when the committee comes out with their first set of rankings. I don't care as much you yes. know, the, in the weeks between the first one and the final ones, but it does sort of give you some insight into, okay, what have they been seeing these past two months and are, are they are they feeling the same things we're feeling? Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I'm with you. I mean, they could just do the one in the midseason and then the one at the end, and I'd be fine with that. Same. I think it, it's, <laughs> it, it shows, like, you know, kind of what they're valuing and what they're not valuing. Um, but let, let's get to the game a little bit because, um, you know, we can debate, as Twitter has for, for days still, about what, you know, should Mac have gone for two I think people were fine with that. It was the play call itself that was the problem. Obviously, Brent Venables and the defense knew what was coming, snuffed it out. It was over. Um, but tell me more about – I know you went back and rewatched this and, and wrote and kind of broke down some of Trevor Lawrence's numbers on the season as a whole. Can you kind of walk me through what you found? And, like, obviously we saw his struggles in the game, but they kind of represented his struggles for the whole season. Yeah, so we now that we're week – five weeks in um you know it just feels like this is not early season rust anymore it feels like trevor is still off almost halfway through the season so um i went through some numbers with matt brown editor at the athletic who was sort of helping me put some of these numbers into context and it really just kind of paints the uh, the picture and puts into context what we've been seeing. And so I think the, the stat that I was the most uh, intrigued by was um, 2018, Trevor is completing 46.6% of his passes thrown 15-plus yards downfield. 2019, that number is 36.6, like a full 10-point mm. percentage drop-off. And I think that that is really telling. Then you look at under pressure, his completion rate has fallen from 44.8% last year to 39.4% this year. And then his completion rate overall has dipped from 65.2 last year to 61.8 this year. We've obviously seen the interceptions go up as well. So there's something going on with his accuracy. And we saw that again against UNC, kind of overthrowing some receivers. And I don't know, I think we're just kind of trying to figure out like, okay, um, is it the expectations? Is there something wrong? Is he not seeing things the way that he should be? Like, what what's kind of going on here? Because this is not, okay, this is week one, week two. He's just kind of knocking off, you know, first game jitters. Right. And I think that those numbers obviously correlate with what we see. We, we, we see that he is just not as accurate. And, you know, especially in some of those early games, I remember some of the questions being if his receivers were bailing him out sometimes. Because the ball wasn't thrown perfectly, and he would, you know, get bailed out by a T. Higgins or a Justin Ross, and I think that that is probably part of it too. Um, and maybe he's forcing the ball in some situations where he really shouldn't be. But there, there's so many different elements to that when when your accuracy in the deep ball drips so much. So I, I think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on because we all expected, you know that high level we saw him finish last season at, we thought, oh, well, he's, you know, he's bringing back his weapons. He still has a Travis Etienne with him. He'll be this 
this is his baseline, not like this was better than what we're seeing now as a sophomore, because usually you do see that big jump from a freshman to sophomore season. So I think that's where everyone is confused and concerned, because you did expect him to only improve, not dip and get less accurate. Right. And I know that the expectations were a lot, and I know that you can make the argument that maybe they were um, too much, but they were not unjustified. Like, we all saw with our own two eyes what he did against Alabama. It's not like we all came up with these wild, crazy expectations that he could never meet. I mean, the baseline was set, as you said, because of what we did see in 2018. So... Um, I think, you know, right. you can say they're unfair, but they're they're certainly not like there's a base. There's a basis for them. Right. To me, it's totally different than if we wanted to talk about like Nebraska falling short of its expectations. You were still trying to talk yourselves into a four and eight team becoming a contender. Right. Like that's different than saying, oh, the quarterback who won a national championship as a true freshman and was awesome, has all his receivers back, has his star running back back. And should be good again. Like that that was the level of expectation. Yes, we thought Heisman Trophy caliber and all that, but that that is the normal standard for someone coming off of a national championship like that. Like that that's how we expect that player to be in the next season. So um it, it it's a lot, but it also was coming from, like you said, what we saw him do to Alabama's defense. And so I think when you see what's going on against, again, you're looking at a schedule where you're like, you can't afford to have a loss and you see any glimpse of struggle, that's what's going to come up. And so I think it's fair. And I think that you are opening up yourself to that when you decide you're going to be a high profile quarterback. Um, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to get a lot of praise and you're also going to get criticism when things aren't going great. And, and they are still undefeated. So, you know, there's that. They still know they control their own destiny in terms of the playoff. They win out. But I do think that the criticism is coming in a warranted way. Yeah, I mean, none of these, uh, none of these takes were unfounded, you know. And, and this is, this is, I don't want to say the price that you pay because that sounds a little too harsh. But when you are the national champs and you do what you did in the manner that you did to Alabama, whether you like it or not, there's going to be a microscope that's coming. And you know, I think every team in the country would want that microscope because the only way you get it is, you know, if you're performing at the rate that they are. So I think he understands that. And, and I haven't gotten a vibe from him whatsoever that this is unfair or he's angry or upset. I haven't got, I, I feel like he's, he's really um, had good ownership and, and has even said that he's tried to do too much at times. But it is. Yeah, I feel like confusing. of all quarterbacks to process something like this, that he would be like, he's so even keeled. Yes. And and so good at not getting too high or low. Like I'm not worried at all that like any of this outside outside criticism or noise is gonna affect him at all. I'm sure he is aware of his numbers and he is aware where he needs to improve, but it's not because like we're saying that he should. <laughs> like, I right. Think, I think he's just like, you know, aware enough in meetings. So like th- I wanna say that <laughs> this buy is coming at a perfect time and it sort of sounded like Dabo Swinney said that after the game. Like, do you agree that that coming off a game that was as dicey as the North Carolina game is a good time to reset and kind of recalibrate for Clemson? I think so, yeah. I mean, it was funny listening to Dabo on Saturday. He had said, you know, I he was like salivating at the chance to get into the film room. You know, he couldn't wait to go watch it and, and teach off of it. But, yeah, I think this is uh, – this. it was an emotional week. It was a dicey game. It was on the road. 
Um, they're almost exactly halfway through the regular season, so you've got guys who are probably a little tired, maybe a little banged up. Um, so, yeah, I think that now they will reset. What's interesting here is that Florida State also has a bye, and so I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty cool timing that both of these teams get two weeks to prepare for each other. Uh, but, yeah, I think if you ask Clemson if, if this is good timing, I think they would all say yes. Is there any good that comes out of a game like North Carolina for a team like this that that really, you know, we've talked a lot about this, that has such a long winning streak um, and, and hasn't, you know, the, if you look at the rest of the schedule, probably not going to be pushed in that many other games. Like, is is it good that they went through what they did against Carolina? I think so. I mean, I think there's obviously a lot to say about adversity, but I really, and I, I didn't get the sense that Clemson overlooked North Carolina. Like, I never once got the sense that they thought that they were going to roll in here and just crush these guys and and Dabo had said all week that you know this team is good enough to beat us so I don't think it was that but I thought they got off the bus and just looked lethargic like they just kind of looked like they were sleepwalking through and I think that that's going to be a good wake-up call in terms of hey you need to show up and you can't you know zombie walk your way through the first half and um, yeah, and then, you know, we've seen we've seen this happen before. We've seen Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Syracuse, it seems like, every year in this playoff run that Clemson is on, they have one of these games where they either lose or are incredibly lucky to win, and then they kind of, you know, hit the gas for, to, to close out the rest of the regular season. So I'll be interested to see if history repeats itself. I, I think it will, uh, but certainly I think that they will learn a lot from, from what they're going to see on this film. Yeah, absolutely. And and just for our listeners, we will still have our second pod for the bonus pod for our athletic subscribers this week, even though it is a bye week, we will still have that on Thursday. Um, and we would like to apologize. We forgot to give some Taylor Swift lyrics last week. So we will maybe double up on that and make up for that on Thursday. Yeah, who are we? Um, but Grace, I, I don't know. I was like, this is this is like core to our identity. I don't know how really we forgot. Is. Um, but before we go, because it is Monday pod, we have to give some roses. We can talk about positives from the game on Saturday against UNC. Grace, who would you like to give your rose to? I'm going Brent Venables again. I know that's such an easy, obvious thing, but it's just, I mean, it was interesting kind of hearing him talk about what he thought was going to happen on that two-point conversion and then his players and Dabo, and he kind of downplayed it, but his players were like, yeah, he basically knew exactly what was coming. Dabo had said that in the timeout, he had come right over and said, I think we're going to get some version of the speed option, and, you know, he's just he's just a genius, and he watches a ton of film, and um, certainly Clemson is uh, aware of how lucky they are to have him. Yeah, I'm going to give my rose to Dabo for a weird reason, because I actually thought that what he said about that people think they're going to destroy everyone. College football is a week-to-week sport. It, it changes so much. It depends on the makeup of your roster and how you're feeling that week and how you're prepared, um, that he's not worried, that people should stop worrying, that you know they're going to be fine, like all of these things. I just thought that that was a really refreshing and pretty candid um, response to where things are and the the sky is falling mentality that was starting to pop up around this program because they are undefeated. And I think that you have to, in order to have your players back and, and your team, you know, and again, these messages that you're sending through the media, you have to say stuff like that. And you have to be pretty candid that, yes, you understand that people thought you were just going to blow everybody out on your schedule this year and why that's unrealistic and what that 
puts pressure on your players, like how that pressure looks and feels. And he talked about all of that. And I just found it really refreshing and straightforward and a very um, just it was insightful to think about him thinking about this and how it affects his players in not just in the, oh, the media is rat poison when you're good, right, way, but actually just like what expectations like that are when you're in the middle of them. I thought that was good. So I'm going to give him my rose for, for, for being insightful and being honest and being candid about that pressure and those those crazy expectations that we all had for them. I like that. I li- yeah, it is It is refreshing, and he's he's always been really thoughtful in that regard in terms of when he is ex- – like I feel like he does a good job of explaining where and why he's coming from a certain position instead of just – you know, we've seen a lot of yeah. college coaches who just yell at the media. So I appreciate that he is thoughtful. Yes. Yes, I agree. And, yeah, he, he's like this a lot, but I just found it particularly – important at this juncture um especially heading into a bye week so uh so those are our roses we will obviously give our honorary rose um to hunter runfro because he always gets one he just deserves it every week for however many weeks he was at clemson he's getting a rose which is like 500 there we go so yeah i was gonna say so until you know we're like 80 years old he will be getting roses on this podcast um (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Monday edition of Protect the Rock, Clemson podcast from The Athletic. If you like us, you can subscribe and rate us. Give us five stars, please. Um, You can follow us or download us or track us, whatever. Subscribe on any platform for our Monday pods. Thursday, we'll be back with a subscribers-only bonus episode on The Athletic. And we will talk to you then. Thanks so much for listening.